Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I need your help. If you love this podcast, you will love my children's book. It's called Princess Charming, and I am really trying to drum up pre-order sales. You might not know this, but before a book comes out is actually a really important time for the whole book's trajectory. So please pre-order Princess Charming, which comes out April 19th today. Just stop what you're doing and go do that, please. When it arrives on April 19th, you can give it to a loved one in your life, a niece, a grandchild, a child, a student, a kid walking by on the street, anybody. But if you could do this, here is my offer. If you email me your receipt showing me that you bought the book online somewhere and pre-ordered it, email info at zibbyowens.com. That's info at zibbyowens.com. And I will pick 10 people to do a special giveaway project award to from my new Bonfire merch store, which you should also check out, which is um, the Zibby Owens Media Bonfire store where you can get all sorts of cool t-shirts and uh, tote bags and author sayings and all sorts of great stuff. So what did I say? 10 of you are going to get a special care package of your choice from the Bonfire store. And I will pick at random from all of you who pre-order the book. So if that wasn't clear, 
Go pre-order Princess Charming. Again, it's called Princess Charming. It's my debut picture book. It's really cute and great, and it's illustrated by Holly Haddam. And then after you get the receipt, screenshot it or forward it to me at info at zibbyowens.com, and you will be entered to win one of 10 exciting care packages. So go off and order. Thank you so much. Bye. Sally Hepworth is the author of The Younger Wife, a novel. She is the New York Times bestselling author of seven novels, most recently The Mother-in-Law from 2019, which was optioned for TV by actress Amy Poehler's production company, Paper Kite, and The Good Sister, an instant New York Times bestseller. Sally's books have been labeled Enchanting by The Herald Sun, Smart and Engaging by Publishers Weekly, and New York Times bestselling authors Leanne Moriarty and Emily Giffen have praised Sally's novels as women's fiction at its finest and totally absorbing. Sally's novels are published in more than 20 territories worldwide. Sally lives in Melbourne, Australia with her husband and three children. And by the way, we were lucky enough to do this interview in person in my office in New York City, which was just the best thing. And last thing, you have to follow her on Instagram because she is like a comedian and amazing. So check her out on Instagram as well. Welcome, Sally. Thank you so much for coming to do Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books Live in person, not live, but in person, which is very exciting for me. So thanks for being here. In the most beautiful library I've ever been in. So the pleasure's mine. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can you tell listeners what your book is about? The Younger Wife, a novel. Well, The Younger Wife is a small part of it, but actually I describe it as being about the whole family that is at the heart of this book, which is the Aston family, which is made up of Stephen Aston, who is the patriarch of the family. He's a man around 60 odd. He's a heart surgeon at the top of his game. It's about his wife, Pam, who is the mother of his two adult daughters, Rachel and Tully. And then it's about Rachel and Tully, who are both in their 30s. And the book kicks off, and this is where the title ties in, with Stephen announcing to his daughters that he's going to marry a woman who is younger than they are, which is a decision which is controversial enough without taking into account that his wife is in a residential care facility with end-stage dementia and he's going to have to divorce her in order to make this union happen. And it's it's what I call an upside-down book where it opens with the wedding between Stephen and his much younger bride and it's told from the perspective of a mystery narrator who's a wedding guest and she watches the couple get married and then disappear into the sacristy to sign the paperwork and then a few minutes later they hear a scream and the celebrant runs back out onto the altar and her pantsuit is covered in blood. And from there we go a year back in time and we find out all the events that led up to that moment and start to unravel who was injured, who did it, and why. I had many theories of this, (laughs) all of which were wrong by the time (laughs) I found out what actually happened. So I am literally like the worst at guessing (laughs) books, which I guess is good, right? I'm like, you know, a reader about to be duped. So, (laughs) but you had so many different elements in the book. You have 
a mom, dementia, Alzheimer's, like mm. the loss you feel at like watching the mom slip away mm. with the daughters. I mean, that was really powerful. And then you have the daughters each with their own story. I mean, mm. one of the daughters, and it doesn't come out till later, like why she has developed the, yeah. well, both one daughter, why she's developed the coping mechanisms and the anxiety and all yes. of the stuff, which then gets passed down to her child as, yeah. as we do as moms, I guess. Exactly. And the other who had an, something happen and, and her life has taken a turn and how everybody is sort of interrelated mm. and all affected by, I mean, when you have the mom of the family be like, oh, I have to, I have a daughter named Rachel too. Like, yeah. How does that affect you? Tell me about the Alzheimer's piece and if you did research, if you know somebody or how yeah. this, this because it felt so real. Oh, thank you. I actually wrote a book. My, my second published book was called The Things We Keep and that was about a woman with early onset Alzheimer's. And for that book, I had to do a lot of research about that that ailment as well as more general dementia. And so a lot of the material that went into creating character of Pam, I kind of leaned on that. In addition to that, I have had a family member with dementia and also my sister-in-law's mother um, had Alzheimer's and I spent a lot of time with her. And so, yeah, I mean, there is the things we know about Alzheimer's, of course, from a medical perspective, but what really, you know, I tried to kind of lean on with this book was those emotional experiences, Mm -hmm. particularly for the ones who love that person with dementia and things like having to answer the same question over and over again without being snappy because to that person it's the first time they've asked and, you know, having to make them feel comfortable in situations that are scary to them. And, and yeah, those strange little comments that come up that seem like they are completely, you know, nonsense, as it were. And when you actually scratch the surface, you realise that, no, that that did mean something, but without the context of the rest of the words that that person was missing, they weren't able to get it across. And, and certainly with my sister-in-law's mother, we found that to be the case quite a lot. It's sort of a terrifying thought that all of a sudden you'll get to a place in life where there's no filter I for know. all the stuff that's like shoved inside, <laughs> you know, like so much for like keeping a secret that's or like, true. you know, what you really think about people. Especially for me, I don't have much of a filter now, so I'm done for <laughs> if that happens to me. <laughs> my, gran- my grandmother had dementia and I remember sitting with her and bringing my twins who now they're almost 15, but they were younger then. And she was like, oh, you know, I have twins too. And I'm like, well, I know that. They're my uncle, you know, I know you're my dad. Anyway, but yes, and the same, like repeating and like Mm. a minute. Did you know I have twins? And I'm like, no, I know you just said that. So there's that element. But of course, Pam's life and some of the things that she slips out and says end up being like really important Mm. to the story. (laughs) So that's good. The thing I loved about this book in particular was... I was like, I love this author because you said some of the funniest things starting page one where you say, which I want to like put on a pillow or something, the catharsis of a shower cry could not be overstated for a woman in her 30s. Oh, right. Yes. I, I, yes, yes, yes. I'm I wanted- so baffled when people don't understand that. I'm like, sometimes I go to have a shower specifically to cry yeah. and it's the most joyous thing after, you know, afterwards, the release of it. It's yeah. just especially with the pandemic. I mean, what else did you have to do with your yeah, time exactly. to have a good shower? Sometimes I just have to get in the bathroom. I oh, can't even make it into the I shower. Know. Something about the tiles that just bring on the tears. 
This, by the way, was like, you read my mind. Rachel, on the other hand, couldn't relax. This is when she's out at a restaurant. Rachel, on the other hand, couldn't relax until she knew her main course was in the oven. Rachel's family laughed about it, considered it a quirk of hers, a trademark of being a foodie. Usually Rachel considered it in the same light. Only occasionally did she hear a little voice at the back of her head that told her there was more to it than that. Like, I cannot. My family makes so much fun of me. Oh, wait. In the sentence before, you said Rachel got terrible anxiety whenever she wasn't in control of the catering, and particularly when she was with dad who always wanted to start with a drink, then maybe some bread and dip or an appetizer. Yeah. My mom, it, she's like, no, let's relax and have a drink. It's I'm like, I need my, I need my order taken before I can relax. What is wrong? Just to know that it's on its way. Right. You know, I actually sometimes refuse to let my family talk until they have to selected what they want because the fear of the waiter coming and then one person not knowing and sending them away, it's too much for me. This is great. If we ever have lunch. Yeah, it's going to be perfect. We, yeah. We can ring ahead and tell them what we're having and then we can just sit down and I would out. be happy doing that too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sometimes I read the menu ahead of time. <laughs> we'll do. <laughs> and then you had another line, which I also sadly relate to. This is Rachel who copes with a lot of life by eating, which mm. I understand. Mm. She threw a couple of chocolate buttons into her mouth and then realized the packet was finished. The second packet she'd finished this morning. This morning when she got dressed, her underwear had felt tight. Her underwear. <laughs> I was like, do I not mention that this recently happened? I was like, oh, all my underwear must have shrunk at the same time. It's so weird. I wonder what's going on with the dryer. <laughs> I actually stole that from a friend of mine who said during the pandemic as well yeah. that her underwear felt tight and we laughed so hard. Yeah. And I said, that's going to make it into a book on it deep. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, <laughs> I, I could go on. I could give you more. Oh, and then you have um, uh, Darcy, who has the funniest sense of humor. Oh, no. oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, he looked down at the cake. I'll stop reading for the book in a second. Closed his eyes and whispered, I love you, into the cake box. <laughs> Rachel stared at him aghast. Sorry, he explained. It's just that the last time I forgot to tell a cake I loved it, it burst into tears. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I laughed out loud, I have to say. Anyway. Oh, I had a lot of fun researching cake jokes. That that was a, a real good time passer <laughs> for me. <laughs> <laughs> but I did that one with my favorite, so I'm glad you liked it. Oh my gosh. My my dad shares this like pun sense of humor, you know. Dad jokes. Dad jokes, yeah, yeah dad jokes. So thank you for putting that in here. <laughs> so so tell me how you got started as a writer. You've written so many books, you just casually mentioned Amy Poehler, you know. Oh, oh just just dropping just her you name know. dropping. Yeah. yeah. That's okay. So tell me how it started and how everything's just taken off. The beginning, well, it's funny, the beginning happened while I was reading an Emily Giffen novel, Something Borrowed. And I was living in Canada at the time. My husband's job moved us over there. And I was reading that book and, and there'd been a lot of talk about chick lit and, you know, that was really having a moment. But this book, and it's so lovely because I'm having an event with Emily Giffen tomorrow. Oh, like amazing. This beautiful kind of full circle moment. I was reading about these women who were flawed but so lovable and so, you know, that feeling we have as women when you feel seen in a book. And I thought, I, I want to do this. I want to try and do this. I didn't have the audacity to think that I would be any good at it, but I thought, I want to do this. And I then became pregnant with my first child, living in Canada, those glorious people <laughs> pay you for a year of maternity leave. I mean, can you even imagine? And so I thought, well, I'll try this year and do it. And I should be clear because when I say that, some first-time mums say, what is wrong with you? How could you write a book while you've got a new baby? I had a robot baby who 
and still is, bless his cotton socks, he would just slept and ate and just did what he was told. And so I did write a book that year, worst book you can possibly imagine, worst book in the world, but I fell in love with writing. And so I then wrote another book and another book. And it was the third book that I wrote was The Secrets of Midwives, which I had found an agent by that point. He pitched it to a number of New York editors. And one of them on the list was Jen Enderlin, who published Something Borrowed, which was that Emily Giffen book that I loved. She bought it and she sent it to Emily and she blurbed that first book. And tomorrow we're doing an event together. So it, it, and this is, you know, I guess almost 10 years, well, 12 years, because my son's 12 on, that I kind of pinch myself that I'm now sitting here, you know, talking about it. But I've glossed over a lot of rejection in there and a lot of, you know, books that didn't get published and, and even since becoming published, the kind of ups and downs of that road. But ultimately, you know, I'm here on tour in New York and it's just, I keep pinching myself how lucky I am. It's so cool. I know in your acknowledgements, you said something like, thank you to you know, the edit, the publisher in yeah. St. Martin's for sticking with you through some... The bumpy times. The bumpy times. Yeah. You were trying to dispel the myth that publishers don't actually stick by their authors. It has not been my experience. The opposite is true. The The team at St. Martin's have been, and I'm not just saying that because one of them is here, but I'm, I'm so blessed and, and so lucky the way that they have cared about my books, but because they love books. And, you know, that's definitely been my experience, luckily. Wow. So the characters in the book, let's talk about like the idea also of this younger wife and having any sort of interloper, step-parent. I mean, so many people deal with that. Mm. Um, I had a grandmother, this is a different side of my family, who was younger than, the step-grandmother was younger than my mom. Like she literally had the same thing. (laughs) You could have interviewed her for the book. Yes. But what that dynamic does to a family and how do you like make a a new blended family. I mean, not this way where, you know, they like meet up and everything happens very quickly, but you know, how, what is the right way to introduce your new loved one to your kids? You know, know. it's such an upheaval and, and I'm 41. And, and so I'm in that age where upheavals are happening to adult families in my life, whether it is a, a new younger wife from, you know, the, the, the father, you know, my friend's fathers who are, you know, in their sixties and seventies, also siblings getting divorced, all of those kinds of yep. things. You think you've got your family settled and then come the, the disruptions and the upheavals. And one thing that I was witnessing was some one of my very good friend's father and another very good friend's father-in-law had both met women younger than mm-hmm. their daughter and daughter-in-law. And one of the things that sort of shocked me about it, or not, you know, or the perspective was different, was that these girls were women yes. That's okay. were, you know, distressed and, and they were dealing with it, but both of them, their lens was about trying to keep their family together. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about hating on this new woman or trying to get her out or branding her as, you know, a gold digger or any of those things. It was about, right, this has happened, but this is my family and I love my dad or I love my father-in-law and I want to make it work. And that was an interesting perspective to me because I think that the younger wife is, is, you know, we've said that's nothing new, right? We've read books about it, movies about it, TV series, but it always is this younger wife is painted as a gold digger with daddy issues. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And we never investigate 
the the older husband. Like we really just accept that he's obviously made that decision because she's a young, pretty, you know, bit of crumpet, as we say, <laughs> and uh, and that's it. And why do we not give him more agency? Why don't we look at his potentially nefarious kind of, mm-hmm. you know, perspective? Or just, you know, as we know, Catherine Zeta-Jones and Michael Douglas, there are real love interests yep. that, you know, age defies. So it's not about kind of demonising anyone. But I really wanted to challenge the cliche, look at the perspective of an older husband with agency yep. and and write that book. So that was the kind of jumping off point. Well, you did a nice job and I feel like my feelings towards Heather, like I Thank could you. feel them arcing the whole time. Like I Good. started off with all these prejudices against her, honestly. Well, we all do and that that was my intention and, and that hatred of cliches, which I also tried to challenge with the mother-in-law when I had you know, I don't believe that every mother-in-law could be evil. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so that book was about exploring that. Yep. And this book was about exploring, you know, not every older husband is going to be only thinking with his pants. And so, you know, I love to see readers following that evolution of character. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things, and I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help. And I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. 
Wait, and tell me now what it's like seeing your characters being developed in a new format with Amy Poehler and all of that. Tell me about like yeah. the, the 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 nine lives of all of your of all of your books. Oh, it's amazing. I, I've read a couple of scripts of the mother-in-law, which was the the one that Amy Poehler's production company optioned, and also the family next door has been optioned by an Australian production company. And I've read scripts of both. And the thing that's so great, which everyone seems to say to me, are you worried they're going to butcher your book? Are you worried they're going to make changes? And I say, I'm worried they're not going to make it better because (laughs) here's an opportunity with an amazing writer to make me look good, right? So, and in both cases, I'm very happy to say that they have made small changes, not so much to the plot. Like for example, they've introduced more diversity, which Mm -hmm. has been something that I kick myself because I, you know, things that I should have done, it's like getting another go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've introduced more attention to certain, you know, scenes and, and just really added to the book. So I can understand some authors being nervous, particularly if they take the book in a direction that you didn't intend. But as the author, I guess, they're the conversations you have with them up front to see if they really understand your vision for the book. And, and I felt in both cases that they did and that has proven to be the case. That's amazing. Oh, yeah. my gosh. It must be so cool to know you're going to see all that and the characters that you think of in your mind that they're there. Anyway, what about this book? Has it been optioned yet? Or? It hasn't yet. We've had a few conversations which is, have been really fun. And, again, it's just kind of pinch yourself moments that people have even read it, you know, and, and yeah. want to have a conversation about it. So I feel like it's so visual with the wedding and then the cake business, know. you know, that it's like very, you know, flower spinning and the scene <laughs> with the eating of the cake. Oh my God. Like those are great. There's such, it's very visual. Yeah. I, know, so. I write in scenes. That's just how it kind of mm-hmm. comes to me. And the two that have been optioned, they've said that that makes their job easy, which yeah. is not my intention. I write, I like writing novels. I'll never switch to screenplays, but you kind of write the way you write and you can't do it any different. So, And so you started out writing in Canada with a year basically of sanctioned writing. Yeah. How do you do it now? I have been through the whole thing. So back then, yes, I wrote with a baby at home. I then kept writing when I was back at work part-time. I had another baby. During all of that time, my husband was working full-time and I was kind of at home with a bit of work. When I was at home after my second baby, I got the contract for The Secrets of Midwives. And at that point, I became a full-time author. So at that point, my husband and I were both working full-time, you know, with, with help with our kids. And then about two years ago, my husband quit his job and he's now the stay-at-home dad. And I am the full-time author or the full-time worker, the primary breadwinner as it, as it ha- happens. So I've been through all of the bits of it. And again, like I just now feel so lucky that this is my job. People pay me for it. It's what I love to do. And I've been in the great position that St. Martin's keeps buying my books so I get to keep doing it. So the goal is that if I can keep doing this for the rest of my life and it gets to be my full-time job, I mean, what a privilege that is. Especially to have a husband who packs for you. (laughs) I, I, I watch your Instagram feed. I'm like, that's not really her husband. She must have like hired somebody to pack for her, which I also thought was really interesting. <laughs> the trick to that and to most things about getting your husband to do stuff, I've only just realized this, is to be very useless at doing it yourself. Mm-hmm. Because for a while he stood and watched me and twitched 
And then I just said, if you want to do it yourself. And now he does most things for me. I've got a very specific set of skills, which is (laughs) writing books. (laughs) And he's got a very specific set of skills, which is everything else. So it works for us. Until I'm here in New York without any skills. So that's kind of gets me lost a lot. But I'm surviving. (laughs) (laughs) The idea that you can even be so self-deprecating is like (laughs) hilarious, you know. Well, that's the Australian way. Ah. Yeah. But it's also true. (laughs) Yeah. Stop. No, no, no. (laughs) So now what book are you working on? So I've just delivered the book that will be in the States this time next year. It's called The Soulmate. Mm. But as you can imagine, there's a twist on that. It's not a a kind of happy story, but it is in the same vein as all of my other books, family dysfunctionality. And this one is based around the most dysfunctional of relationships, which is marriage. (laughs) And I had the idea while in lockdown with my husband. And Uh so no surprise, there was some murder in that book. (laughs) And I'm really excited about this one because I think that, that marriage it's just so much material there, even without getting to, and again, like with all of my books, I don't go that kind of stereotypical route of, you know, he's awful or she's awful, but it's based around a couple who live on a cliff and, and on that cliff there is a notorious suicide spot and the husband has made his life's work out of talking the people off the cliff And they, of course, have got a past and they've moved away to get away from their past and he's got a 100% strike rate of being able to talk people off the cliff. Wow. But in the first scene of the book, the wife is watching through the window as he's doing his thing and she turns away for a minute and then looks back and the woman has gone over the cliff and he's holding his hands out with palms up in a way that looks a little bit like he might have pushed her. And we then kind of unravel what we think has happened there and and going, you know, deep into those those marital ties. So yeah, it was it was a fun, it was a fun book to explore. It's got all of the things, all of the murder and the and the nuance and the twist. So yeah, I'm looking forward to to talking about that one too. Did you always know you wanted like all this like murder? Like did you know you had this dark side to you? Yes. I watch a lot of Law and Order SVU, which my husband calls my nasty shows. <laughs> he says, oh, you're watching your nasty shows. And it's funny because I'm a very happy person. Like if you can't see me, I'm wearing all pink, which is quite classic of me. And I smile a lot. And yet I've got this really creepy dark side mm-hmm. of, of things that I like the stakes to be high because I'm afraid that to helps turn around, me. by the way. I'm keeping you like <laughs> yeah, right in front of me wall. the whole time. <laughs> I, I need things to be, the stakes to be high for me to feel. And so I balance that with that kind of dark humor, which I love. But, you know, you should be worried in a book, I think, that, you know, something can go wrong. So that, that does tend to be a theme of my books. Wow, oh, I love that. <laughs> what advice would you have for aspiring authors? I mean, it's the classic one of reading, which I'd probably balance that with just read a lot, read as much as you can, and then write as much as you can. And don't get caught in that that kind of silo that I see people get into where they just want everything to be perfect before they write. Maybe they want to go and get that writing degree, or maybe they want to, you know, buy all of these writing programs or read every book about writing or get a PhD in history if it's a historical novel. And I see that in so many cases, which is fear, you Mm -hmm. know, fear Mm -hmm. of starting. And I think that the only way that you can do it is to just 
dive in because that's how you beat the fear. You just dive in and write a really bad book because then you can just, and like I said, my first book, worst book in the world. I can back that up as well. That's not just self-deprecating because wrote that book, sent it off. It was published as it happens in German, thank goodness, because now no one else can read it because unless they're German. And I tell the Germans don't read it because that was a really bad book. Since then, I've gone on to publish all of these other books and we've had offers from other publishers to publish it in English. Mm -hmm. And my agent said, what do you think? Should we do it? And I said, no, because I don't want anyone to read it. And he said, oh, it can't be that bad, can it? And I said, I'll send it to you. So I sent it to him. Within about two minutes, he'd replied and said, yeah, you know what, let's leave it. (laughs) The point of that to the aspiring author is that it's okay for your first book to be really bad. That's You've just got to write it and then you write the next one and you get your 10,000 hours, you know, mm-hmm, to become mm-hmm. an expert and you're not going to get that if you're stuck trying to get everything lined up and make it perfect before you start. And you mentioned Emily Giffen as one of your favourite or yes. one of the writers who inspired you. What other, do you have other go-to authors or something you're reading now that you're, like, oh, really passionate about? Yes, I love Sarah Pekinen and Greer Hendricks. Every one of their books has been better than the last. I just finished The Golden um, Couple, which was, I think, the right best. There. Oh, yep. there it is. <laughs> Kelly Rimmer is another Australian author mm-hmm. who wrote The Warsaw Orphan. It's her most recent one, but also The Things We Cannot Say is one of my favourites. Uh, Leanne Moriarty as well. Mm-hmm. I adore Jane Harper. I mean, I just, I'm going to forget them. Oh, Sue Monk Kid. Mm-hmm. I adore her. Yep. Yeah. I, we're just so lucky. All of my favourite authors are women which is, I do read male authors, but I do think that there's something about women describing women that just I connect with and and that's what I love to read. I love that. We started off talking about crying in the bathroom. What, you know, as this is almost over, but what's making me cry right now? What's making you cry in the bathroom? What what are the last couple times you've had to go in there? What's caused it? I actually, I haven't cried since I've been in New York because what is there to cry about here? What is it? Do you know what? The funny thing about it is, is that I would very rarely connect a shower cry to a particular problem. Mm. It's more of a just general kind of, it's almost like exercise or therapy, you know, it's like a cleansing of all of the feelings. And so I I think state of the world in general always brings on a few tears when you think about it too deeply. Anything to do with your child and, you know, my oldest child is autistic and and classic Asperger's, super smart, super funny, you know, just a a brilliant, beautiful child but fears about, you know, him not, you know, being accepted and things makes me cry even though in general he is, Mm -hmm. you know. As mothers Mm -hmm. you bring so much to your, you know, fears for your children. But in general, it's mostly, you know, either a general cry or shampoo in the eyes, (laughs) (laughs) which can hurt, especially the purple shampoos, you know, they can really be hard to get out. That's true. Mm -hmm. I have one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Blue shampoo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, To get the brassiness out of the blonde. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, okay. Good to know. (laughs) Don't get Thank you for sharing that about your son, by the way. That's, um, we're very, proud and I have his consent to talk about that as a family, a neurodiverse family. My husband's autistic, my son is autistic, my daughter has ADHD and I have ADHD and we really celebrate that and are a big part of the community because we need these brains in the world. In fact, when my son was diagnosed, our paediatrician said, 
to me, oh, so you're an author, so it hasn't come from you. So is your husband a doctor, a scientist, an engineer, or an accountant? And I said, he's an accountant. And he said, ah. And then he turned to my son and he said, these are the brains that we need in the world to be able to fix climate change, cure disease. And and it was the most glorious way to deliver that to him. Mm-hmm. But it also, as a family, has really made us so proud of the the people that we have in our family and what they're going to be able to contribute to the world. So it's not something we don't talk about. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. And also nice that each of you know what your child is going through. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. And and their strengths, you know, mm-hmm. which which come out of that too. That's true. There's so many types of brains and there's no one clear path. And yeah, creativity comes from all places. And in fact, ADHD is very common among writers musicians and artists mm-hmm. so dyslexia too that's way. true mm-hmm. yes exactly yeah okay amazing so, we've covered it all I mean anything you know <laughs> <laughs> anything else you want to get off your chest today <laughs> this has been a great therapy session oh good all right thank you so much thank you so much for having me thanks for listening to this episode of moms don't have time to read books don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.